0: Welcome to the Health Tech Podcast. Here we talk about everything healthcare and technology, and I'm your host, James Sommeru. Hey, everybody, this week I'm joined by Dr. Harrow Stockman, and he's the CEO and founder of Kepler Vision Technologies, which is an Amsterdam based health tech company that uses artificial intelligence to look after the well being of humans at night through vision based body language recognition software. Their mission is to make the job of nurses operating in elderly care homes far less stressful, far more enjoyable by freeing them to focus on providing care through real-time body language recognition. So it's a really interesting proposition and they are achieving some very interesting scale. So uh, I hope you enjoy this episode everybody. So Harrow, welcome to the Health Tech Podcast. How are you doing this morning?
1: I'm doing great. Thank you very much.
0: So whereabouts are you speaking to us from today, Harry?
1: I'm speaking from, uh, from Amsterdam.
0: Amazing. Yeah. What is the weather like in Amsterdam at the moment? It's very gloomy here. And I think the, day, the short I, I, days in the UK are just doing my head in. I don't know what it's like for you. You're a bit further south, so maybe not so. It, bad. Is,
1: yeah, the, <laughs> it, it is also great, but the clouds have a silver lining.
0: Ah, there we go. (laughs) Already getting philosophical, I like it. Um, Cool, so Harry, the way that we start these podcasts is um, we get you to tell your story and obviously you've got a fascinating background obviously leading up to where you are now, all sorts of cool technologies and healthcare and everything's in there. So, uh, do you want to tell us a bit about your story?
1: Sure. Um, So, I think Uh, what is important I do have a PhD in uh, computer vision and I have that and I studied at the University of Amsterdam and while I was studying there the my 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 colleagues they made an invention uh, was was a computer vision program that could uh, look into videos and it could recognize uh, cats dogs and sunsets and at the time that was uh, very novel and there were competitions uh, worldwide that, that, that we participated uh, with and we beat uh, very, uh, uh, f- very, very large organizations like, I, like IBM and Microsoft uh, and so on. And at that time I thought, well, this is very special. Uh, we have to do something with it. This should not only be used in academia and uh, I negotiated with the university and I got a license to it. Uh, set up a company. We, it was, was, was a spin-off from the university. And that company became very successful because at one time we ported the software to run on a mobile phone. And, you know, on a mobile phone you have... Uh, I have 20,000 pictures on my phone. I cannot find a single one anymore. <laughs> so we had this app that could <coughs> put the pictures of cats in a cat folder, put uh, pictures of the dog in a dog folder. And uh, that, that became a hit. Uh, there was there's a tech blog in Silicon Valley called TechCrunch Crunch. they wrote about us and that article was translated uh, overnight in uh, in Japanese, in Chinese, we, we got very famous. And then we got a call from Qualcomm, which is uh, the, the American semiconductor company. And in the end, they acquired our company. And that was a few years ago. And... Uh, at the time, so this was uh, object recognition that the that, that software could do. And my vision now is what, what I'm currently seeing happening is that artificial intelligence is progressing and not only object recognition is possible, but also uh, things like human activity recognition and body language recognition. So <clears throat> um, two years ago, I started up uh, a new company it is, again, a spin-off from the University of Amsterdam. And in the beginning, we were sort of blindfolded. You know, we have, we have this new technology. We can recognize what a human can do and how, you know, what, what the industry needs this. And there were many of them. So a self-driving car needs to be able to, to recognize human activities in order to stop or to brake for a car if a pedestrian wants to cross the street but also retail needs it because uh, you want to detect suspicious behavior. Uh, security needs it. Uh, industry needs it. And then we finally settled for the, for, for the, for the care industry uh, because I think you have to do something worthwhile uh, with your life. And in the care industry, there are a number of problems. Uh, first and foremost, it's very difficult to hire uh, caregivers. They're not there. In the Netherlands alone, there are over 100,000 job vacancies. Um, To add to that, a quarter of them are going to retire in the next uh, five years. And at the same time, there's an increasing demand for care because of the aging population. And that that sort of led us to to focus exclusively on the elderly care market. And our solution today is... um, we can make the caregivers up to 40% more productive. So we give them a second pair of uh, eyes. So the, 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 the slogan of our website is, we developed the first artificial intelligence in the world that looks after the well-being of humans. And that's where we are. I think that that should serve as an introduction.
0: It's a very nice introduction and a very noble cause as well. I'm interested... First of all, actually, I want to talk about the company that got acquired and I want to talk about what it was like for you, I suppose, building that company just out of my own interest, to be honest. I'm interested at what point it got acquired, how big the company was, what the technology could actually do. And and I suppose the reason I'm asking is because... On this podcast, we talk about entrepreneurship a lot and it's called the Health Tech Podcast. So I'd like to lean into a bit more tech. So I'm actually interested in the technology here and at what point you got to, you mentioned cats and dogs, obviously. What could that technology actually do by the time yeah, it got yeah, acquired yeah, yeah. on one so, side, yeah, but yeah. On the business side, how big was the company and things like that?
1: Yeah, yeah. So it, it was very early days. So when we got the software from the university, it could recognize cats and dogs. And so literally, afraid. it could only do those two things. No, no, yeah. Well, that's, <laughs> no, it could do more. It could recognize uh, American flags. It could recognize uh, lakes. It could recognize boats. Uh, stuff like that. Um, and th- this was because there was a, a competition uh, called TrackFit, organized by NIST, National Institute of Standards and Technology, and they and it was this fixed set of forty concepts that you had to recognize. And, uh, and, and the competition was who is the best in, uh, in recognizing american flags who is the best in recognizing uh, cats stuff right? oh, i see and but but those were very useless um, <laughs> for 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 business you know who wants who wants to pay <laughs> who's going to pay for
0: that yeah exactly yeah yeah yeah
1: uh, but it is artificial intelligence and and, and it works by giving the uh, the software examples So one of the things that we uh, modified the software was to make it recognize uh, unwanted content. Uh, Okay. Nudity. nudity. Yeah. Uh, And our first big customer was a dating website. And they would get, uh, in the weekend, uh, they would get uh, 7,000 picture uploads per minute. And, and not all of these were, uh, were, were, were kosher. Um, and we trained our algorithm to, yeah, our, our software to, to, to filter out uh, first 20% and then 30% and over time it, it improved. So that was the first, uh, the first uh, commercial success. And then the, we helped the police in uh, recognizing uh, child abuse uh, pictures. That also worked. Okay. We, yeah, we helped in recognizing uh, um, uh, credit card logos on websites. So tax uh, officers want to know on what websites you can buy something, and then check if they. So so. <clears throat> but the problem was uh, explaining, you know, that that software can look into videos and. Our software did not have a a user interface, so the input was an image and the output was was a text string that said, okay, the the chance there's a dog in it is 90%, the chance there's a lake in it is 10%. How to visualize that? And then our uh, proof of concepts were always, you know, they took forever. First, the customer had to upload uh, pictures and he he would upload 10 pictures and we would say, well, that's no use because 10 pictures you can do by hand. Upload us a million pictures. Yeah. Um, And then uh, we don't have a user interface to show (laughs) the results. So that (laughs) that was difficult and a a non-disclosure agreement need to be signed and and stuff. So the idea then was we make an app for uh, for, for the app store on iPhone we give away we give away the app for free, and if you have a new prospect customer, we say, hey, download our app, run it on the pictures of your camera roll, see what our software can do for you, and then we then we nice then, then, then we continue. Forward. And that sort of by accident set off, uh, <clears throat> and we were going to release that app on, on Friday, and on Friday evening, I wrote on Saturday, and on Friday evening I wrote. Uh, an email to, uh, to a journalist at, at TechCrunch, who I followed, mm. who writes a lot about uh, photo apps. And I said, well, we're going to upload this, and we you know it's for free, but you know, can you have a look at it? And she said, well, if this works, I'm going to, I'm going to cover it, which, which she did. And that, was, that was how it went. Very nice. The, the company was, it was not big. We were with uh, 10 or 8, I think. Wow. Yeah.
0: What a journey. Obviously, learning all of all of that, both from a both from a growing a business perspective, going through an acquisition, but I suppose that the, the technical perspective as well, taking all of that learning and then thinking, well, what do I do next? How did you arrive at the decision for healthcare? I'm interested in the thought process there and it's a, you know it's a, it's a, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's noble so, but it's also difficult yeah. as well from a business perspective yeah, yeah. and finding the business yeah, yeah. model and all that, all those kind of things right so talk me through the decision to move into healthcare
1: yeah so the um, uh, the company got started in 2018, and the Netherlands, they have some sort of program that they bring their 50 most promising startups to CES, the Computer Electronics Show in, uh, in San Diego. Okay. And we were, and those 50 startups, um, we were selected to be one of them. And uh, one of the princes of the royal family was uh, also joining us. So we were, we were in, 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 in good, uh, in good, good company. And we had some sort of demo uh, where we showed what our software could do. And, and then the whole world came by <clears throat> and we, we had incredible amount of feedback of, of what we could do with, with, with our technology. And then we, we came back, um, our, sales, our, our, our sales officer, he had 800 business cards collected in those uh, three days. And we, we went 800 through...
0: 800 business cards in three days. Wow!
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. That's
0: a prolific we went networker. Through...
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And we went though. through all, and we went through all those business cards, and 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 all our notes, and made a list of you know uh, possible applications, and there were about uh, six different of them, and then we estimated our chances in uh, being able to raise uh, venture capital. The ability to uh, become a unicorn, the ability, so the the, the market size, uh, the ability to file patents in this uh, application, because you know human activity recognition and body language recognition is 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 a blue ocean, and I wanted to uh, yeah see if we could uh, develop a patent portfolio that that would claim that uh, blue ocean, so, and. <coughs> For instance, the, the self driving car business, many patents there. It's very difficult to to do to do something new. But sure. um, and yeah, so so we made a list, and and then the uh, the care, the healthcare came out of it as as the as, as, the, as our best shot for for the future
0: unsurprisingly but a very data-driven approach true. i right? don't
1: know but yeah, yeah. It's, it's not based, it was not based on uh, on my the feeling i had in my belly or something yeah it was, it was data-driven yeah.
0: well that's interesting and actually quite encouraging that you viewed the health sector as a place that you could find a business model get returns have roi because actually, I think it is quite a common mindset that it, that it is too difficult in healthcare. It's difficult to find the models. It's difficult to see profitability. It's, you know, it's often talked about in that way. So I'm actually glad that you know, someone like yourself has done, done an analysis and actually gone, well, the returns could actually be quite high here. I think that is a good thing for the sector and probably is quite reflective of the, you know, the amount of AI companies that we certainly have here in the UK trying to get into healthcare at the moment. You know, NHSX over here is doing so much AI companies, you know, grant funding them, you know, hundreds of millions at the moment. We've got so much going on in terms of the actual adoption of AI now, which is becoming, you know, increasingly exciting because it's we're getting prospective studies being done on it now. Like it's all it all seems to be happening in AI at the moment and it's it's been on the fringe for years, I'd say. You know, people talking about oh, it's about to happen, it's about to happen. I think it is what well, it is happening now. And I think that means that AI is so exciting. So on that note, then, tell me all about Kepler.
1: Um, so we have a solution uh, very often no uh, not very often, but, but quite often in uh, in the rooms of the uh, elderly, you know in 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 care homes, there's already uh, a camera and the camera, it looks like a, a smoke uh, detector. I'm looking at one uh, right now, yeah, and it has a small uh, lens in it. It also has three infrared lights and with this camera, our software can recognize what is going on in the room. So we can see at night if the person is, if the patient is in bed, whether he's trying to get out of bed, because some people should stay in bed. and should only try to get out, you know, with, with assistance. Um, whether the person is walking around in the, in the room, whether he's going into the bathroom and if people slip, It is in the bathroom, so we can also measure, does the person come out uh, again? And we can recognize if he has left the room or if if the patient has uh, fallen. And that means that um, the caregivers don't have to check on the patients three times at night anymore. You know, they have to walk, uh, I don't know, 20 miles each night to check on all the patients. This is no longer necessary. Because if our software recognises that something is wrong or that something is about to go wrong or our software isn't sure, <clears throat> it can send a message to to the to, 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 to the to the phone of the caregiver and then that person goes. And that has a major advantage for the um, for the for the patient is that if the patient falls, uh, it is recognized instantly. So the patient doesn't lay there for two hours waiting for someone to come. And, and I'm, I'm, not a, I'm, I'm not a surgeon, but often these patients, they're elderly, they have uh, blood thinners. And if they fall on their head, uh, they should be rushed to the hospital as yeah, soon absolutely. as possible. So that, that, that is one. And the other one is we bring them back privacy. Uh, because no nurse enters the room three times at night anymore. Yeah. Uh, the patient is now being monitored by a software robot. And the software robot is keeps everything what he sees to himself, except when uh, the patient is in need. And I think that is that. I, I I'm truly I truly think this is a major, major advantage. One of my... One of the things that I've always been scared of, you know, what if you get older and uh, you get a heart attack and you fall on the floor and, you know, you, you don't have an active social life and then uh, the cleaning company finds you after three months or the dog eats you, you know? That has always yeah. been a nightmare of me. I think this, this, uh, th- th- this technology is going to solve it. It does solve it.
0: Yeah. I like that. And I, I, there's, there's a few things that I want to talk about. One thing is this obviously relies on, well, if we're, if we're going to recoup the benefits that you've talked about, particularly that element of privacy. I love that. I love the fact that you, you, you're kind of you're thinking of it beyond the obvious health care implications. That's actually quite a, a personal Advantage it, it's an improvement of the quality of someone's care and actually the quality of someone's life The fact that they are entitled to more privacy, but that obviously relies on a, on a lot of confidence It relies on a lot of confidence that nobody does actually need to check What the software robot is doing and all those things? How do you as a as a company as a technology company? How, how are you guys assured of your of your confidence in the software that those people can then be confident in it too
1: that's a good question so the, the there are two stages with, with our software in the in the so one thing uh, if you read if you open a newspaper you read about uh, artificial intelligence and everything it can do my experience is very often this is not true so if we if we run our software out of the box it never works you know it always makes uh, many mistakes so the trick that we do on everything that our software recognizes So we have human beings that watch the videos and and recognize if if an alarm goes off. And then in the first weeks we we put the human knowledge into the system and we say, well, this one was right. This one was wrong. This one uh, is half wrong and we correct for it. But this ends at uh, after say a month or so, after that our software does not no longer improve. Uh, We cut it off, we upload uh, the model and other than that, um, in order to be able to process this data, the Dutch, yeah, you know, the the European privacy laws and also European security laws require us that the data is uh, encrypted. That's what we do. So um, we do our processing in the Amazon Cloud. Uh, I think this is the most secure place. To do such a thing, very often you hear now with, you know we are we, a care organization. We'd love to uh, <laughs> run the software uh, on our premises, but I I think that the uh, that that the security engineers working at Amazon are much better than the security than the engineers working at at, at the home care organization. So that that so that that is one. On top of that, we <coughs> um, we are a bunch of engineers. Um, We are now with 15 and seven of us have a PhD. Our expertise is in uh, developing the artificial intelligence. Our expertise is so much in uh, security and encryption and so on. So we have hired um, um, another company. They have a very high reputation and they are responsible for the 24-7 monitoring of our software. So... If a care organization decides to, to work with us and they can do the same amount of work with less people or they, you know, they, they, they keep on doing it with the same amount of people, but the quality of the care improves, it, they can do so on the condition that our software is actually up and running 24 seven and it never stops. Uh, this we have outsourced to, to, to a company in the Netherlands and they, their expertise is, is mission critical software. So they, uh, so the Dutch airport Schiphol uses their software to to make sure that you know all their critical uh, software applications uh, run. Uh, they're responsible for ninety percent of all the payment traffic in the Netherlands, and I, I know one of the founders uh, quite well. And I thought they would be uh, a good party to be responsible for our operations. So that's what we outsource it to. So. To the best of my knowledge, uh, we have done the very best that, that, that we can. Another thing is we were also warned that, you know, yeah, if you're a startup, you can do whatever you want, but once you get famous, uh, you will attract the hackers and they will <laughs> try Absolutely. to. And that's another reason to, uh, uh, to outsource our operations, that, that we have an independent party that is responsible for making sure of that. So nothing is going to happen nothing 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 is going mm. to happen we have iso certification we have NEN certification we even we also recently got a registration for medical device so you know we we, we have our business uh, in 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 order yeah it's nice no, actually it's an english way of saying
0: it. yeah no sure i mean look there's there's a lot there's a lot going on at the moment in terms of data security, resilience of platforms, making sure that things don't fall over because it seems to be that everybody in the space wants to get this right. Nobody, nobody even wants their competitors to go down because the trust in the system is going to be lost as soon as anything happens. And I think much like people say a rising tide raises all ships. I think if you pull the plug, everybody goes down. Right. And I think that's the, that 's the biggest issue I think, for so many people at the moment uh, when they think about security and resilience is yeah, nobody, want, nobody yeah. wants anything to go down and so actually everyone is incentivized everybody in the whole health tech sector seems incentivized to make sure that all these things are right um, and, and as you say you know with with ISO and CE mark and software as a medical device MDD MDR all these things going on i mean it 's definitely giving. Me as, you know, an innocent bystander in all of this, mainly as a patient, actually, just looking at all this stuff and going, well, I actually feel pretty secure with all of these things now. And I think, you know, my data, how I want it handled, all these things are, are definitely making me feel very good about where the health tech sector is. But I suppose moving on from that side of things, so I'd like to talk to you about the business model. I'd like to talk to you but well, more the approach than the business model. I think so many AI companies try to solve a really big problem in healthcare. And what I mean by that is a problem that that might start in a care home, but then continues into hospital or involves referrals into hospitals or involves primary care and might track... Uh, vital signs and observations it might feed into diagnosis there's lots of different ways that ai is being used even if you just look in the care home right and and all those things it can touch and the things it can do it seems to me that what you've done is actually a a, a quite a clean model quite a clean closed model of you know the you know the technology can just be overlaid onto the camera system that they've already got and, and you can use that feed you can provide direct value to the care home. You've got your value proposition there. It can do this thing. It can detect falls. It can give patients their privacy. It can do all these things, which provides a competitive advantage to other care, the other care home down the road and, and all those different things. And seemingly, with that as a nice closed system, you don't get into any interoperability issues or anything like that, which for me gives you the option and opportunity of scale. Do you see it the same? Um, yes,
1: yes, yes. So the yeah. The so the, the big advantage, I think, of the of the of the healthcare industry is that it's so incredibly big, and our technology, it can we we could apply it in hospitals, but also in elderly care, in mental care, in home care. Um, but then. I told my sales team that I only want customers in the elderly care business, and okay. only in the Netherlands to 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 get started with, because already this market is so incredibly big in the Netherlands. If if you would have 100 percent of all the elder care centers in the Netherlands be our customer, we could be a unicorn. We can be really? a unicorn. So why would we? Yeah, well, <laughs> almost, but you know, it, yeah, it, I mean, wow. half a unicorn, half, half a unicorn. So yeah, what?
0: right. I, I mean, wow. yeah. I, I your so, point. so
1: why would we do, why would we start to do difficult, complicated things, you know, testing if our software also works in adjacent markets, if mm. we, do, you know, if, if, if the current one is, is so incredibly big,
0: I think there's a lesson there, there actually was, uh, for entrepreneurs listening, by the way, or, or, or people thinking about solving problems that actually you don't need an, an all singing, all dancing platform that's going to do absolutely everything. I do believe in solving a problem end to end for people. I do believe in that and uh, you know solving a bit of a problem is is never a good thing but actually you do solve a problem end to end in the way that you've packaged this and I think it is also a lesson here for people to very realistically have a look at their market size and and cr- critically appraise your own decision as, as to how big your market actually is but if you're you know, if the total addressable market for you gets you to half a billion, then obviously why make things any more complicated? I think that's, yeah, really interesting.
1: Yeah. I had a, I I had a call with a venture capital firm uh, last week and he, he he completely understood it. And he, he referred to it as that. We focus on a market that is an, uh, an inch wide and a mile deep.
0: Yeah. That's really nice. Yeah.
1: Instead. And, and, you know it's easier to go a mile wide and, and an inch deep you know, there are many technical challenges that you can you know it's very yeah. interesting and but I, yeah and, and but it yeah so it is the art of being able to say no you know mm. uh, there there's there's there, there's there's a, a reseller in Australia who's very interested in in reselling our software and i said well you know let's talk to him for 5 minutes and and decline it and then we come back uh, after a year after we have captured the dutch market and we are ready for a new market but but those are difficult discussions you know to say no often because you don't know for sure you know maybe maybe you should we maybe, maybe we should go into australia but it's not the logical next uh, market uh, for us The logical next market for Kepler is either Germany or it is uh, the UK because it's very close by. And we will do so once we have uh, 10 customers who have signed a recurring license agreement.
0: Tell me about that art of saying no and tell me about focus because you've built a company to exit an acquisition and people talk about focus and saying no all the time. Is, Is saying no... And, and focusing something that you've always been good at as a CEO, as a leader, or is that something that you've learned through trial and error?
1: No, that is through trial and error. I
0: was hoping so you'd say that. So with the
1: company, I really didn't know what I was doing. So <laughs> was less,
0: oh, you know? That's so <laughs> reassuring.
1: It, so this, so the, the, <laughs> but, but there are two, two things to it, to, to, to running a company. One, it is skills, and the other one is luck. And you yeah. need to have both of them. I think with, with the first one, I had skills and I had luck. And now with, with this one, the, the skills are there. And not, not my skills, but, but but the skills of the team. And the luck is not so much I can do well There's a little I can do. The luck, I have to uh, powerfully, I have to do something about it. And what I'm doing about it is, 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 is the focus yeah uh to to make to to ensure that we get lucky was it a
0: golfer that yeah. said it's funny the more Insurious. i practice the luckier i get is that the is that the common i think that's come up a couple of times yeah, on this one, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um so tell me tell me where kepler vision is at the moment in terms of the scale that you have i know you're looking to capture this dutch market whereabouts are you right now and where do you want to be in the next sort of one year, five years, 10 years, I don't know how long, you might have VC money, so it might be a shorter timeline, I don't know.
1: Yeah, so 10 years, I don't know. Um, No, 10 years from now, the company has to be acquired. Yeah. Or or IPO'd, you know, it has to be. um, So where we are now, we have uh, six pilots, and we have our first two pilots converted into a multi-year recurring license agreement. Nice. That, that is great. And for the end of 2021, I want to have 50 pilots or customers. I don't care whether they have a recurring license agreement or whether they're just pilot, but I want to have 50 customers. If I end up with 25, I'm also happy, but, but, but the, goal is, the goal is 50. And then ideally, I would have one customer elsewhere. And that is probably either the UK or the US. Um, And just yeah, so yeah, that is that that is where I want to be.
0: It's a shame that my dad sold his care homes or else I could have put you in touch.
1: (laughs) Yeah, he did. did. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's a shame
0: he doesn't have any anymore. Uh, But uh, yeah. yeah.
1: Uh, but no i mean this is
0: that but this but this is why i can I can actually relate to this problem that that you 're solving right because you know he'd he 'd so often or i say so often you know occasionally he 'd have to get up in the night because a resident had escaped or that someone had had a fall or you know the types of things that when you think back now with the technology that we have now so easily solvable with your technology no, none of those two things would have necessarily been as bad you know. The, the, than we experienced you know it's 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 interesting to me I suppose and I, I think that's one of the reasons that I wanted to get you on is because I think as a sector there is so much that can be done in that care in care homes in that care sector I think we're all going to get older we're all going to need support as we age we've had a few elder tech, if you want to call it that, startups on here, like Max from Birdie and and uh, Cradle we've had on here as well. So lots of people that are trying to do different things in the care sector. And I think it is something that we all need to wake up to, that we're all getting older and we, all, we will all need these things. And I think the more attention that we give as entrepreneurs, as investors, as clinicians, as everybody in the space, um, I, I think there's so much that will make our experience of getting older so much better, so much easier. And like you've said, and I really like this about what you said, that part of the value proposition for you is giving patients their privacy. And whilst the patients may not be the payer, they are kind of indirectly in a lot of ways, especially if they're paying for a care home privately, they're definitely going to pick the one that gives them the best experience. And so there is value in making those care homes better there's value in in building up their tech stuff there are
1: more advantages one is so one that i often hear is from the nurses so our software can also write an automated report of what went on during the day with the patient did he get, you know, but what time? You know, a patient that gets, that goes to bed at six o'clock in the evening and then wakes up at three o'clock at night, and, you know, it gives you an indication of this patient has been brought to bed too early. But another thing is that if a, pa- if a patient is not doing well, you, you can read this from the report and then the nurse has an objective report. That she can show to either the physician or to the family also that mom is not doing so well as mom is saying. Uh, A thing that we hear from nurses often is that the patients lie. They lie all the time. You know, yes, I've eaten, but they are very skinny. And if you open the the refrigerator, there's nothing in it. And if you look in the garbage bag, there's nothing in it. Uh, so potentially also our our software can help the nurses uh, there in you know in, in, in objectively assessing you know what what happened and not. yeah.
0: So t- my final question would be: You're obviously in you, you've moved into healthcare and put and you know specifically the care sector now. Where do you see the future of technology in care? And and I suppose do you have a view on? what the future looks like. Do you think everything's going to move into people's homes with technology? Do you think there are going to be care homes in the future? What and what technology do you think they'll have? I'm interested in your view.
1: Yeah. So the, uh, I do think yeah uh, a little bit different, maybe I do think that uh, the operating system of a home you have an operating system of of a computer, but I think the the, the home and also the care organisation will also have an operating system, and that one will look after the patients individually. And what we can do now is very rudimentary, you know, whether the patient has fallen, whether he's in bed or out bed, but that can be extended uh, a lot more, like. Um, wonder detection if people become dementia you know they don't know where they are uh, they want to leave and they leave in the middle of the night eh? what 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 happens to your to your dad Um, but also medicine intake whether the patient drinks sufficiently or, or or eats sufficiently i think this technology will become available for to look after patients who cannot look after themselves you know, if you can look after yourself, it's, it's fine. We don't need it, but 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 for as we get older and older and older, and people become more and more, you know, the problem of dementia is become a, a really big one, um, and it has to be solved with with technology because there are, I've been thinking about it a, a lot. There are two other ways to three other ways to no two other ways to solve it. One is um, put more men just just put more money into it, into the, into the care system. You know, there are no uh, caregivers that you can hire unless I think you pay them 200,000 pounds a year, you know, then for sure they will come, but who are you going to take the money away from? So I I think politically you, 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 this is not defendable to, to, to spend so much. That is one. And the other one is, um, yeah, uh, get people from, from other parts of the world where, where there are plenty of people. Hire them from Africa or Eastern Europe. But, you know, these have a different culture than us. This is also politically very difficult to, to realize. So that's also not going to happen. Option three is do nothing. And uh, that doesn't solve it. But, you know, th- that means that the quality of care is going to uh, to, to deteriorate. And option four is to, uh, to get going with, with technology. <clears throat> a problem that I do see in, in, in healthcare is, uh, you know, it, it takes forever to decide. There's so many people that need to, uh, you know, that, that have to have a fault in it. So it is difficult for startups, but it can be done. That, that's what we see. But, you know, you have to have patience and you have to push and push and push and focus. And that's
0: so there we go. So many, so many good lessons in there from someone that has uh, exited and is now focused on what seems to be like their passion. I love it. Um, thank you so much for coming on, Harry. I suppose finally, we always uh, ask you if you've got any asks of our audience. So this goes out to. 115, com- <coughs> Sorry, 115 countries uh, globally at the moment. I know you're only focused on one, but they are in the top five of uh, people that listen to this podcast. So there are plenty of people in the Netherlands that do listen. If you do have any asks for anyone, then uh, by all means, take it away.
1: Yeah. So my ask is if you are a care home and you heard this and you think this is of interest, visit our website uh, www.keplervision.eu or shoot me a message over LinkedIn.
0: Perfect, how it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for coming on.
1: I really enjoyed uh, talking to you. You uh, you know the healthcare industry very well. And I also like the uh, the business sense that you have. Thank I you. enjoyed uh, talking to you. Very, very kind. kind.